It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to our weekly gathering of IOs, HR recruiters, and all of us who like to help people in the business world. Uh, Jeremy, today we're gonna talk about, and this is really interesting, the hidden role in marketing of industrial organizational psychology, um, which I'm fascinated about, especially the marketing angle, because I think we all could use some help with marketing. So was this a suggestion that someone uh, put into our requests or is this something you came up with? This is something that looking through, really just looking through, you know, industrial organizational psychology, doing some web searches, what's out there, news articles, those kinds of things. And I came across this article, which I will put the link in the chat here. This is that it's actually it's interesting, right? Because we talk about what's the relationship between HR and IO. And we had our our uh, event, our monthly event last month about that. And we have our part two coming up about um, expanding functions of each field. So this is a, a an article under Business News Daily, strategy marketing and more HR functions that are expanding. But as we continue to talk about the relationship between, you know, what is the relationship between HR and IO? I thought this was interesting because you look at marketing and marketing is one of the you know, it's it's. I, I think marketing is one of the heaviest business uses of psychology, period. And a lot of people have taken who are interested in psychology have also taken marketing courses, and some have actually gone, of course, that way. So I think this is an interesting aspect because when we look at marketing, we look at marketing. Actually, let me take a sidestep. If you go to ONET, so you know, you search ONET, and then you search for IO psychology. Many of us know, and then you search on tasks, so you can find out what through ONET, what any occupation, what do they do? Well, marketing is one of the tasks listed for for IOs, but it's something that we rarely, if never, talk about. And it's going to be interesting the conversation we had today because are we going to talk about marketing? Marketing in terms of what we think about as marketing, marketing to the outside world, or I think it makes more sense in this regard because marketing already has its psychology aspect of it. How do we market internally? And in this particular article, it says marketing is a crucial HR functioning function. I read this as 
internal marketing is a crucial IO function because you really create your creating marketing plans to get as it reads. I'll read it here. HR personnel have become marketers creating marketing plans to get employees on board as the department designs new protocols and processes. We're looking at HR department as its own entity, kind of like a business inside a business. Our employees are customers and HR has to market programs and processes and training to them. Also, it says HR professionals must also understand the financial impact of decisions so they can market new ideas and processes to the employer. Now, of course, we read this through an, uh, an IO lens as we continue to wonder, to break down what exactly is the relationship between HR and IO. I think IO can, does play and can play a substantial part in this. When you look at a couple of the when you look at a couple of aspects, just in general, like what is marketing? Customer loyalty is a big factor. Okay. Well, we look at it as emotional, an employee's emotional attachment to the organization is critical. So we we take customer loyalty and we change that over to an employee's emotional attachment to the organization. Outlining strategies is the main, main component of marketing. And as IOs, by nature, we are strategist. And also you look at marketing your story, marketing a story to a, 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 as your brand and how you tell that to customers. We look at that and how does that change employer brand for prospective employees and current employee sentiment. So we look at kind of that organization's aura and that organization's pool. And there's a couple other things, but that's just a little bit of a launch pad for our topic today. Because again, we're looking constantly at how do IOs find their niche? And this is a particularly interesting niche. And we're also looking how can we create opportunities in new positions that haven't yet been thought of for IOs in organizations so that we can, again, increase the brand and the namesake of IO, but also help organizations throughout the organization, throughout a company in different ways, not yet previously thought of. Well, you know, Jeremy, you and I have often talked about the what to say and how to say it. So when we're talking about this type of marketing, is it focusing on the the what to say? Is it that messaging that you want to get out to those employees and and how do you make them listen? I think it's every I think it's nearly every point that is encompassed in marketing. You've got brand awareness, so your employer brand, you've got your brand personality, which is your company culture, your company aura. I'm really, I started thinking about that. We talk about company environment. I'm going off on a sidetrack. Obviously you guys can tell already. We talk about company uh, environment and company culture a lot. I'm going to bring it forward. Mark the day, July 14th. I think the, I think we talk, we should also start talking about these things in terms of an aura. We talk about what's a person's aura. It's that immediately when you think of this person, what is that aura? What does it mean to you? What does it say? And how does it feel? And you can get someone's aura. We There's some of you here, we've talked about this aura exercise that I've done with teams and it's the same kind of thing. So I think I might start talking about in terms of an organization's aura, but anyway, pull that into brand personality, pull me back to where I should be with my thought. So next, when we talk about marketing, we're also talking about thought leadership, reputation management, right? We all know that within organizations, whenever there's a communication gap, employees will fill in that gap with whatever they want, 
whatever they think makes sense, whether it's right or wrong. Um, analytics and insight, bing, bang, boom, that's IO. Um, competitor analysis. So what do we mean by competitor analysis? I look at this part of marketing as, okay, marketers identify uh, competitors and analyze what they're doing. But as IOs, what do we what do we look at? What's competing for an employee's time and attention? What do we what's what's competing for a leader's time and attention? What's competing for funding of a you know a, a company initiative or a training uh, time, other resources? So what's what's the competitive nature of that? So I think it's really back to your question of the the communication aspect. I think it's a full blown internal marketing effort. And all of these things I mentioned are key points of marketing. And they're also key points of what IOs do. It's a parallel. Wow. Um, Linda, Ann, I'd like to go to you next because you've got that experience in HR. Have you ever considered yourself a marketer? I was the head of corporate marketing and sales for a major hospital. So I've got major, I've got marketing and sales background. And so that's why when Jeremy was speaking about the aura of something, it's, you know, well, that one of the goals of marketing is to create what's called top of mind awareness. So that when you think of a hospital, like we were, right, you want yours to become the first in, in mind. When you talk about something in particular, the whole goal <clears throat> of marketing is to create that what pops in your head first. So yeah, I mean, and, and I've worked with marketing people within the organization as an HR person to create that brand that people want to come work for. And when you were talking about brand, is it ju- were you just creating the hospital brand or were you also creating your own brand? as the HR person? No, I was always about the, the organization. <clears throat> so, and then when I was an HR person working with the marketing person, it was about creating that sense of, oh, when you think of as an architect or an engineer or whatever you're, you are, and what company do you want to work for? This is the one you want to pop into your head. Right. Yeah. All right, Lee, let's go to you. You know, this is a really interesting one because, you know, I've never, until we started talking about it, I really hadn't thought about it in terms of marketing, you know, internally. Uh, I've thought about all the aspects, uh, but I just never tied it together as that term. But it makes so much sense because, you know, marketing externally, we're talking about getting people to buy your product or service, brand recognition, all those kind of things. And internally, we talk about very similar concepts of the what do people think of? You know, what is your culture? Uh, what is you know, How does it affect your turnover? What are your people talk about when they're not at work, you know, that sort of thing. Somebody says, what do you do? How eager are they to tell where they work? And so much of that comes down to all the other things we've talked about, the training and the retention and the conflict resolutions and all this kind of stuff. And the big thing I can think of is the efforts to turn your employees into advocates so that, you know, when they say, hey, I was looking at a position at your job and somebody goes, hey, you really need to apply there. This is a great place to work. Or even on top of that, somebody who has gone as far as they can go and they go to another organization, but they go, hey, look, this place I used to work is someplace you really should apply to. And if you can get that culture going on where people feel that way, I mean, you know, what, what could stop you at that point? I mean, you think about these big companies out there or even small companies that their employees just sing their praises and you look at what they do. And then you look at all the stuff that maybe doesn't work 
so much. You know, you have I've read things about, hey, you know, the bean bags are going out and that sort of thing. And all these things that people have put in their offices, the, you know, open office concepts, the bean bags, the ping pong tables, the, you know, the various things like that. And, you know, and a lot of people, they just want, you know, I just want a quiet place to work or I just want to telework or, you know, whatever. And so that comes back to a lot of the communication of what do your employees want? Right. And, uh, man, I could keep going on this, so I better I better stop there. <laughs> well, I really like the idea of turning your employees into your marketing team, that if they're advocates for your organization, that takes care of so many areas. Uh, Dr. Arianna, let's go to you next, then Dr. Martha, we're over to you. Yeah, I definitely want to echo what Linda Ann and Lee have said. I think that we as IOs, we help to align all of the different processes within the organization from onboarding and selection to performance management to what the culture is actually embodying. And I think that marketing goes along with this because it's really clarifying the brand of the organization and then marketing takes that brand to the market. So I actually this morning was on LinkedIn and read this quote by Simon Sinek. And he said, bad marketing values promotions, good marketing promotes values. And I definitely agree that we need to be very clear on what values we uphold as an organization. And there's not necessarily any wrong values, but you must stick to them and live them out. And then that goes to Lee's point, help employees understand how each value is lived out in their individual role, but also bringing that to the marketplace and getting clear on how your company is differentiating itself based on these values. So I think that IO really helps to be the connectivity in this. And then lastly, I'll say to Dr. Jeremy's point around thought leadership, often IOs are well positioned to have expertise around these types of ideologies, you know, bridging that gap between what is the psychology? How are we creating a mental framework of what our organization is, how it exists and our role in it? And then using that in thought leadership to take that to the market as well so that people can understand what your company really stands for. And that will help, correct me if I'm wrong, but that will help to establish your brand as well and really give you that solid reputation. I think so. And I think that when this is done well, we love to bring up those examples. You know, I think that's part of the reason that Patagonia became so popular was that they had a very values aligned culture and an interesting mission that they seemed to live out time and time again. And people really appreciated the consistency, but also what they stood for. All right, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Well, marketing is such an interesting topic because if we think about marketing in general, it wasn't until advertising agencies started to employ psychologists that marketing became much more powerful to the point where you can direct masses, you can affect a culture of a country. I mean, marketing is huge when done well and done properly. And like I said, it wasn't until psychologists came on board, came together with marketers that's when the power of marketing really exploded. Now, if you look at marketing at an organizational level, some companies are very proactive in marketing themselves. So you can um, ask people, well, what company would you like to work for? And there are probably a handful of companies that they can name because they have been sold a certain amount of marketing information that, hey, this is the place to be. 
But so many companies leave that part up to chance. So I like what Lee brought up. Do what you need to do as an organization to make your current employees your biggest advocates. Let them be the people who organically and genuinely praise the organization as the place to be. That's a great way to begin that journey of marketing an organization. And as IOs, I think we have a unique opportunity if we're working within an organization or with an organization to tap into some of that, to promote uh, the organization as a whole and market it, let it work on its branding if you will, because brands are everything. Think about all of the jingles, all of the slogans for every product that you can remember. Maybe that product is long gone. Maybe that company no longer exists, but you could probably sing the jingle if not in your head out loud or finish the slogan. So marketing is huge. It's absolutely huge. I think it's it's a missed out opportunity for many. Well, I've I've often noticed that I don't know I need a product and service until a marketer tells me I need a product or service. And stuck in my mind always is, where's the beef? You know, <laughs> and they've brought that back. They've let it go. And, and I'm sure it'll be back again. Uh, <laughs> Dan, let's go to you. I love this conversation. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a geek on this part. But um, <laughs> so there's a couple of things. One, I wanted to bring up <clears throat> that some companies employ marketing psychologists and one of the reasons I know that is my daughter loves the psychology of the buy. She has a degree in um, business marketing and entrepreneurship. And so her focus is, is really to go back and get a degree in psychology because she loves the, the psychology of the buy. Why do you buy this over that? sitting next to each other on the on the shelf or whatever it is. And so it's a really fascinating process. So when you look at what degree marketing psychologists have, one of them is IO. And so to work with a marketing department <clears throat> in the, the capacity of, you know, the psychology of the approach is is really interesting. And I don't think it's something that that many IOs really think about. The other thing is what Ariana was saying, you know, when when you talk about values and how company use your values to market, it's really important that they just focus on and, and good companies who, who do this just focus on a couple values. So often companies are looking at, you know, this huge list of values and there's no way to really make them effective or implement them well. So I think that if a company is looking at how to communicate their values as an organization, it has to be less than five, probably around three is, is ideal. And the competitive analysis is something that I've always done in marketing and I did it as a human resources person. And when somebody said they had another offer and they were going to take it, I would even ask them, will you share your offer letter with me so that I knew I could plot what the other organizations were offering and I could tell what was happening in the environment so that we could be more competitive. And to Tom's point, a key part of marketing is educating to a problem. You need to educate your audience about the problem that they may be facing. And then once they're aware of it, well, I can solve that problem. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, but I wanted to go back to something you, you kind of touched on because, you know, when in the past when I've been working with a client who's preparing a presentation, I'll often bring up the notion that 
people often don't make the logical decision. They make the decision that that feels right. So we don't buy the car with the best features. We buy the car that makes us feel good. Is that feeling good sensation something that we want to look at when we're looking at that internal marketing? Do we want to make those employees that we're reaching out to, do we want to give them that feel good feeling? Well, I mean, when you're talking about the the internal um, situation, you always want them to, you want it to be a convergence, right? Not only of the quality, but the good feeling. And so that's the ideal. And so that's what, what I work with companies to achieve is to make sure you're doing that quality stuff that creates that good feeling. And then that's the ideal. And, and nobody, nobody leaves. It's like the difference between being sold and buying, right? You want people to buy your product. You don't want them to feel like they, you sold them the product. Yeah, very, very true. So Maybe, Jeremy, I'll come back to you on this one. If I'm just coming out of school as an IO, where do I start when it comes to marketing? Do I want to start looking at you know, potential organizations I want to work with and talk to them about, you know, as an IO, how I'll use marketing to reach those people? Or do I want to start with marketing myself? And are there some, uh, some good lessons I can learn today? When you look at marketing, I, th- I think almost any marketing job is going to say, you know, hey, have a degree in marketing, marketing psychology. The psychology is, I'm guessing, I mean, I haven't looked at marketing job recs, but I'm going to maybe Linda and I'm guessing most of them have psychology in there, right? Because that's part of what it is. It's not just marketing. No, they don't. All right. We'll scratch that thought. So, uh, <laughs> starting fresh. Wow. That's uh, a few might. Occasionally you'll get it. But but rarely, I haven't seen it much at all. I guess if you're in grad school, maybe have a have a have an IO psychology degree with like a marketing kicker, some something something to that effect. Or again, you know, start to work on your on your own. Maybe do an internship that has something to do with with marketing. That's something that you can get into. I think by nature, you know, people with a, a, a I mean, what's what's marketing, right? You're looking at part of a business school of of a uh, of a college of a university. And when you look at IO psychology, what do we look at? We look at businesses. So I think it's a natural, you know, just step one step to the side kind of a deal. And you know, Tom, our CBOC IO Career Pathfinder membership would obviously be great for anyone to join and <laughs> to help with that as we guide you through your career path, depending on what your niche is. And if your niche is marketing, you want to get into that. I think that we could help with that. I do think... And as you and Linda Ann were talking, when you look at you know marketing, it's tough because there's so much out there. We're inundated. Like, what part of the funnel are we looking at with marketing? Is it not easier? And I and I say this not really meaning it. Maybe I do. Is it not easier to market within an organization because you're already marketing to people who have subscribed to your brand because they are working for you? So you're working more of more like the towards the bottom of the funnel. I guess you're working at both because you're trying to get people to work for your organization. So you split it up. I'm talking out loud here. As I, you know, anyone in an internal marketing function, marketing to the employees, you might specialize in top of funnel, working on that employer brand and trying to get people to come to the organization. But you could also specialize in the bottom funnel. And that would be more of your, I mean, really your employee engagement. Uh, and, and those kinds of things, because you're, how do you keep someone who's already buying your brand involved with your brand and creating that emotional attachment? You've already got them. 
you're no longer trying to vibe against a bunch of competitors. What you're really trying to do is keep them from going to a competitor. So you want to do the kinds of things marketing wise that keep them loving and emotionally attached to your brand. Dan, let's go back to you. I think, Jeremy, one of the, it's really important what you just um, identified, and that is being able to have the consistency between the two. So often what happens is somebody comes into an organization because they've been recruited and so forth, and then there's discord between what they thought they were getting when they came on board and what's really happening in the organization, and that disrupts that whole satisfaction of marketing internally. You have to have that complete um, cohesion between what you promise people and what you're saying about your organization and what you're delivering to your employees. I'll second that. That is so important. I mean, that, I mean, that is one of the biggest gripes for employees. I wasn't, I'm not doing the work I, I was hired for. I don't, and I'll just leave it. Whatever Linda said is the way it should be said. I don't need to say anything. I'll mix it up. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> Ann. I love your point. Or you had the experience I have that you know, a lot of places I've worked, once you're hired, they just forget about you. You know, as long <laughs> there's no marketing to you. They're not trying to make you feel good. They give you a paycheck. That's supposed to make you feel good. You're listening to Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Turnboot. The name is not elegant. Neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's Turnboot Organizational Excellence. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Uh, Dr. Ariana. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And something else that that kicked up for me in terms of more external marketing, but kind of internal marketing is a whole concept of like focusing on doing this for retention of customers that you already have. I think we see sometimes that a lot of people go to the competitors, the next shiny object. But if you can pull your, your ideal clientele in based on your values alignment and continue to show that that message is held. And again, you do need to make sure that those you're treating your employees well and promoting those values internally because that does come across in client interactions. But also leveraging these types of materials, you have to keep them engaged with who you are as a company, but to have them renewing and not going to competitors, I think is a big value add that we could support. Make everybody's job a lot easier for one thing. Lee, let's go to you. You know, I see it, you know, the direct correlation between, uh, as as Jeremy said, the top and the bottom of the funnel, because, you know, and this goes back to some of our previous conversations, you know, like, what is a a job posting except a marketing document? And so when you put a job description in a job posting, is it accurate? You know, what would you say? You know, if you get a job and it turns out your job is different than what you thought you were hired for. So that's a key component there. And that comes down to communication between the hiring manager and the HR and the actual work center of what you're doing. Um, and then that kind of goes also back to the, you know, the turnover part of it. I mean, it's great if you can hire a bunch of people, but if you're hiring a bunch of people because you're losing a bunch of people, there's definitely a disconnect there. And 
there's so many organizations that I've been a part of that they do like employee surveys or whatever else, and they struggle to get anybody to answer. And, you know, sometimes it's because they don't believe it's really anonymous. And sometimes it's because they don't think you're going to, you really care because you do the survey, but then nothing comes of it. You never get a response, you never get feedback. And that's, you know, that doesn't help anything. So then it's like, well, what's the point? They don't really care. They're just doing that because, they, you know, some, some, you know, somebody told them they should do it. And, you know, and even if they do a big tongue and dance, I mean, I've been sitting in a, in a conference room with a big screen up that says, these are the results of our employee engagement survey and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, that's great. We're glad you, you got that, but then nothing changed. So uh, did you, did you really, you know, did you really do anything? No, you really didn't. Um, you know, it's kind of like running on a treadmill. I mean, just because you're moving doesn't mean you're going anywhere. Yeah, I think it's like Ariana says, you've, you've really got to live up to your values. And so if you're going to be putting those surveys out, uh, you got to be able to use them and actually make people's lives better. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. Yeah, a couple of comments on, on what Lee said. First, job postings can be a marketing tool, not if you're using a job description to do it. I, I heartily recommend not using job descriptions as your job posting. Um, it it shoots you in the foot in a lot of different arenas. So you pick the top four things that you absolutely have to have for that particular position. You tell them a little bit about the company and why it's a great place to work. And then you get your candidates and um, decide from there. Once you have decided who you want to have a conversation with or so forth, then you can communicate that job description. But please do not use job descriptions as your job posting. Um, there's a lot of negatives that go along with that. <clears throat> and also to uh, to Lee's point about employee surveys, yeah, that, they can really, um, you can be surveyed to death is one thing. Um, and the other thing is, as I always say, if you're not going to actually do something, then don't do the survey because it'll do more harm than good. Right. And um, that goes to values. You know, if, there, if you have a couple values and you run a survey, then use those values to support how you're executing that survey. That will make a difference. Um, so that's my two cents there. Well, <laughs> that's really good. Um, and I want to come back to you in a second, but uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you first. Everybody's making excellent points. And one of the main themes here that keeps coming up is the importance of continued effort. Just because you dazzled someone enough to join your organization doesn't mean that you forget about them once you got them. It's like that relationship. You're courted and treated like royalty. And now that you have that ring on your finger, ah, I don't have to try anymore. But I think that that's a sad reality of what many people experience within an organization. Um, even to your point, people saying, well, this isn't the job that I signed up for. This is not what I expected I would do every day. So it's it, one of the important things is continued effort. Now that you have someone, what will you do to make them stay and be happy to stay? Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And we're providing a lot of good advice today. But how many organizations out there are actually doing this and, you know, marketing or even treating their employees well? Are, are we at 50-50, Dr. Martha? Or do you think like 
maybe 10% actually treat their employees. Yeah, I, I don't even know if we're at 50-50, but I think that if employers realize how it affects their bottom line, the turnover, um, that equals money. That Time is money, money is money, resources is money. Everything comes down to money because businesses are in it for a profit. Even nonprofits need a profit to survive. So I think that if organizations had a true understanding of what it's costing them, to have people leave and then they have to recruit new people, it would be a lot easier. It would make a lot more sense from a fiscal point of view and from efforts point of view to do a little more focus on how do we keep these people and make them happy here so that they stay and they're loyal and they do good work. Yeah, To us, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Juliet, uh, great to see you. Put your hand up and welcome to the stage. Uh, go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on Linda Ann. Um, when you look at today's consumers, no matter their generational cohort, they're looking to identify with organizations and give their money to organizations where their values align with those organizations. And so, I mean, look at all of the social Um, the social causes, no matter what it is, whether it has to do with race, gender, whatever it is, you find out a company does not support your values, you're withdrawing your money or, you know, with our Gen Z um, and our Gen X, you know, generation, they're taking to social media and making sure that they nearly cripple if that's what they can do to these organizations. And you have to also think about the fact that these consumers are also employees in organizations. So the same way that they're looking to put their dollars into a company that aligns with their values is the same way that they want to work for a company that also aligns with their values. And to add to that, we are in the midst of the great resignation. People do not care if they do not if they don't have a giant job lined up for them to say, you know what, this is not working for me and I'm leaving. The power is in the hand of our employees. And so when we're looking at marketing, we have to understand that the values that we're putting out, not only to our consumers, are also reflecting how we're treating our employees. Can I ask you this? Because you, you've raised a really good question or point that we, we've often talked about. And, you know, I, I'm old enough. I'm just on the very edge of the baby boomers. But there really is a shift that's occurring with those millennials and Gen Zers where they just even look at work and what they want from work really in a different way than my generation does. Is that not true? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know in uh, my organization, I had a, a conversation with one of my coworkers and I call her my work auntie and she's my mother's age. And she said, listen, if something goes wrong on the team, everybody looks to you because you're the brave one and I'm a millennial. So they think I'm the brave one that's going to stand up and say something. Um, but really, there is a shift where, you know, employees, especially your your late millennials, your Gen Z, um, even now the generation alpha that's coming in, those these little activists, they're not holding anything for you. And if they quit, they're going to take their friends with them. And if they feel like they were treated unfairly, if they're taking this employee engagement survey, this climate survey, and the organization is not putting their money where their mouth is, they're going to speak out on it. And they're not afraid to do it at the cost of their job. They're not afraid to go on social media. And now with all of these different platforms, they will use the power of these platforms to get support for themselves. 
Yeah, I really, you know, and <laughs> it's maybe traditional for me as a baby boomer to look at those younger generations and go, they're going to destroy the world. I think they're actually going to save the world. I think they're, <laughs> they're going to save the world. They, they're I, I listen, the world. <laughs> yes, they are. And good for them. Uh, Linda, and let's go to you. I'd like to piggyback on a little bit of what, what Dr. Juliet had said on a couple of things. Employees today, when, when you look at trying to keep your employees and, and what was being said about, you know, people get hired and then they're kind of forgotten about because we've done the hard work. Well, no, then you have this onboarding process that lasts their first year. And that's and you're supposed to, I recommend that people should spend significant amount of effort and time in that complete onboarding process, which integrates them into your organization. And if you look at it as kind of like a marriage where, you know, you work at it every day. And when I talk to employers about how they keep their employees, it's because you recruit your employees to stay with you every day. It's work all the time. You just can't like keep throwing the pennies in the jar and saying, I'm done with it. Um, because then they'll just there'll be a hole in your jar and they'll be leaking out the other side, you know. Um, and so the other thing too is, and I've mentioned this before, the people that the millennials, the the Gen Zs, and the alphabets are looking to work with companies that have a social conscience and. They will seek out. That's a great marketing tool. If you're looking to market to the, that population, then what are you doing for the environment? What's your sustainability quotient? You know, there, there's um, public benefit organ, uh, corporations. There's uh, plant, um, B Corps, and they are certified and they outline very specifically what they are doing that have that social conscience and those people are seeking those out because they know that they pay attention to their employees they have the same social values as the employees and they care about their employees right and they're finding like-minded people in those organizations that feel like they do uh, jeremy let's go to you since a part of what uh, the reason we're all together is to hang out and meet other IOs. I want to do a quick little spotlight on, on Dr. Nelson. Juliet and I have known each other for a while. She's one of my absolute favorites. I've gotten a second, you know, degree just from talking to her. She's absolutely amazing. She's talking, I don't know, some some of you are doing Brittany's, uh, Brittany Eisenman's summer IO expert series. I'm going to do a share screen here. And I don't I don't know if there's still uh, people being let in. But <clears throat> Juliet, when are you talking on the series? Thank you for putting me on the spot next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> next Thursday. I did my spot a couple of Thursdays ago. Uh, Juliet's this Thursday. I just uh, I just did mine. It was great. You did. So, yes, t- yep. there's Tom. And then, oh, yeah, well, I am sharing my screen. You can see. And then Dr. Nikki is, I think, at the end of in two Thursdays. So Juliet's also a, she's also a Pathfinder expert. She's, she uh, is working a lot with the grad, like with our, with grads, like people that are in school with the organization, that kind of stuff. And also with everything entrepreneurial and, and marketing, Juliet, please shamelessly plug your publishing company and your eyewear company that has picked up a lot of steam You've been featured in Yahoo News and some really great things. So please just give us a, a plug of what is going on. 
Um, this was not my intention. I blame Dr. Jeremy, but um, I do. Um, <laughs> I am a diversity and inclusion specialist by day. Um, that's where I do a lot of my IO work. And then in the evening time, I own four companies. Um, the first is Junuri, where I do learning and development for students and professionals and small businesses. The second is Junuri Publishing. It's a child of Junuri, and that's where we work with independent authors to share their story, their lens, and their vision. Um, I am also a published author, sharing my lens of the college experience. Um, and I also have an eyewear collection called Nuri Lens. It's a handcrafted wooden eyewear company, and that's what's been um, my problem child for the past year and change. And then lastly, I have a learning management system that I co-manage, um, which is um, a Haitian Creole language learning management system where we bring more awareness and appreciation for Haitian Creole. So that's that. Thank you. And yes, Julia can blame me. We were we were talking a couple of days ago and she's never been able just because of time. She's never able to make these 12 o'clock and she could make this one. So I said, OK, so you're going to come. She said, yeah, I'll come. So she had no idea. But thank you. I, I We just we just had to, to share that. So that's a I'm very pleased with that IO spotlight. So thank you, Tom. Back over to you. Well, while I want to know now more about wood frame, wood frame glasses, because I'm looking for some new glasses. Uh, Linda, and I think I'm going to come back to you because I want to lean on your marketing background a little bit, because in marketing, we talk about pain points. You got to find those pain points for your potential customers. But those internal employees, they got to have pain points, too. So what are some of those that we should be looking for? Well, I think that, you know, if you just ask people how it's going or, you know, if you just sit down and have a conversation with them once in a while, if they if they believe you're sincere and caring, then they will tell you. But but things like if they're things that will give you signals about what's good, that there's discord or dissatisfaction is things like not participating in the um, employee survey. You know, that's an engagement issue. That's a red flag. If you have people not participating in things, whether it's your benefits or your activities, those are red flags. Um, and to just find out what's going on or put your ear to the ground is, is one way, because if they're not trusting you with uh, being able to just have a conversation, an honest conversation, then they're not going to be honest in your in your surveys and how you um, try to gather some of the information and it won't be as as um, helpful as you would, might like it to be. Does that give you an answer, Tom? Well, it gets me closer to it. And and the idea of, you know, listening to people, um, I think this is really important. And, and Jeremy, I see you've got your hand up and you often talk about just taking that walk through the organization and having those conversations. So uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I was going to talk about, I was going to share something else, but Tom, I will talk about that. Thanks. Yes. So that engagement part is important. Yes. Actually, Tom, I had a little note of what something I wanted to mention and it falls right in line with what you asked. Tom, I don't know how you do it. It's just, it's just like, it's magic. So yes, having those conversations. So I have, I had written down, why should I stay on a micro level? Chevrolet, why should our customers stay? And why should Lee Krausen stay? Now, what do I mean by all, what do I mean by all of that? So when you look at internal marketing, right? So you look at Chevrolet, they have to think, why should our customers stay? 
they, it's very hard for them to target a single person like a Lee Krausen or a Tom Bradshaw or a Mia Paris, because they, it should, they have to talk in, in organizations. Most, a lot of organizations think, why should our employees stay? But managers can get to that micro level and they shouldn't be asking, why should my team stay? They should be asking, why should Jeanette stay? You know, why should Sam stay? And on that note, employees shouldn't be, shouldn't say, why should we stay? They should be saying, why should I? Why should I by name stay? But em, em, employers have this ability to, to target on a micro level each employee individually because each employee individually has an, a supervisor individually. So that's something that a, a large company can't do with external marketing. But internally, it takes those managers, those supervisors having those conversations and asking, why should not my team stay? But why should this certain person by name with their own passions and interests and talents and skills and challenges and everything else? Why should this exact person stay? Uh, yeah, really good. Um, Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. Oh, I think she might have pressed. The Sorry, phone. I think I oh, there you unmuted are. and muted again. Um, no, those are great points. And I also wanted to, I think I'm a broken record on this, but tone at the top is just so critical. And I think it relates heavily to what we were just talking about, generational differences. I see time and time again, just a disconnect by the people who have gotten to the seniority of being CEO or C-suite level and their perspectives on business and how things run, what constitutes a strategy. And then when we come in with this people strategy, being people oriented, going back to that point around try not to do assessments if you're not going to take action. And I think we see a lot of tension. And I think that for those organizations that want to stay, there's often like time and time again, internal communications about what we care about and why and what we stand for. And then on the other side, I see organizations just being very profit and growth oriented, where the town halls are constituting profit. And what is the EBITDA? And like, well, all these things that don't necessarily connect. So I don't think it's as much of, you know, how do we figure this out? Where's the disconnect as much as what are we prioritizing? And are the senior leaders of the organization upholding and understanding the value of a people-oriented strategy in line with everything else that makes business functional, the operations, the finances, the budget, all of that is also equally important. But I think I think traditionally it hasn't been given as much weight as we're seeing now. And I think that's something that we're going to continue needing to have conversations with those senior leaders and continue to help bridge those perspectives. It's not necessarily a personal fault, but there's still learning to be done. Okay, but let me <laughs> let me ask you the tough question here. Are people my age who are usually in these senior management positions are and, and the way that we think, our generational think, are we the problem? <laughs> I'm gonna You're say no comment on that one. <laughs> I don't I don't feel comfortable blaming any one group or age demographic. There are very open-minded people of any ages. I do think that that traditional perspective may be holding us back. So the answer is yes. <laughs> Linda, let's go to you. I think that one way to, um, I forget where we were a minute ago, but um, if you have, if the managers take the time to show the individual and work with the individuals about what their future looks like at the organization, 
right? What can, what can I achieve here? What can I, how can I be developed as an employee that contributes to the success of the organization so that it's a win-win? That's the job of their immediate and, and next level um, management team to make sure that they have that vision of themselves developing and moving forward in that organization. Now, if you're looking at it from Ariana's point of view, from the top down, if the C-suite leadership can look at it in a way that if they've set the the, the strategic goals correctly and, and so forth, if they go ahead and just look at it as, if I support all these people, if I have 100 employees, then if I do this correctly, then I have 100 people working to make me successful. What a wonderful world it would be. <laughs> but we got a lot of work to get there. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. So I'm going back to your question. I think it would be overly simplistic to take one side or the other. This is a complex issue. But let me present this example of a parent who says, I don't want my child to struggle like I struggled. I don't want my child to go without like I did. I don't want my child to have to work as hard as I did. But I pose this question. Aren't those experiences what made you who you are, strong and resilient and self-sufficient and reliable? So to take a simplistic approach and say, well, is it those at the top because they have different ideas and now they're holding us back? It's too simplistic. We have to look at the overall picture and all of the different factors that contribute to the good and the bad. Right. We, we can't just blame one person or one generation or the management team for everything because they're the reason for a lot of successes, too. So that's my five cents on that. Yeah, we <laughs> well, thank you for that. I feel much better now. Uh, Jeremy, uh, we've only got about five minutes left and um, it feels like we've just scratched the surface on this one. Uh, but we've got uh, a couple of events coming up starting with Tuesday next week. We've got the Mixer coming up um, and a different time or a new time. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that event? That is a Mixer put on by Seabock and Dr. Destiny's Priest organization. Is Destiny still here? She was here. Um, I am, uh, Lee, help me out again. IO Military Military experts. Yes, I am military experts. Um, so it's the second mixer. The first one was phenomenal. Destiny does a great job. Um, we get put into the, uh, the 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 Zoom groups where we can chat. So that's coming up, every, and that's on um, the cboc.com slash events. And then next week we've got the making creativity happen in the workplace, and that is based off of Psychology Today article and at the end of this month we're having a round two happy hour on the 26th of july for a round two of the relationship between hr and io expanding functions between the fields so i'm sure that one will go well as the other one did tom you mentioned we just scratched the surface i'm going to post in uh a, just a link to a blog but i think i think this topic might be good to put to to add as an event as well. And the link I put in is it's, it's a blog that I wrote. I mean, I'd rather someone else wrote it. Cause I don't want to say a blog that I wrote, but it's a blog that I wrote 
couple of years ago. And I just look back at it and trying to look at it as someone else wrote it. I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good. It's very, it's process oriented. It's action items it's based on solid stuff. And it goes everything from employer branding to the culture creation to action steps in terms of what percentage of employees you want to get at this level, that level. And it ends with a template of an email that can be sent out to get your employees to help in your recruiting efforts and I remember I mentioned, I was talking is the story. I was at the, uh, the PSYOP LEC in, in Atlanta in 2019. And I, you know, it's a bunch of IOs there. So we're talking IOs and I said, Hey, you, we could, you know, IOs can get help a company, get their employees to help recruit for them. And what, what would happen if they sent out a simple email? They thought I was absolutely crazy. Absolutely nuts. They said, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. So knowing me, I went and wrote up an entire blog about it and put the template of the email in the in the blog. But I put that link in there. And if you're listening to the podcast, if you just go to cbock.com, go to resources, blogs, go to my uh, blog, or just the title of the this particular blog is put a spring in your recruiting step while keeping your employee while keeping more of the employees you have a slight twist. And when we look at this marketing email, I'm, I'm sorry, not marketing email. When we look at this email, it's real simple. The template's in there if anyone wants to see it. You can just send out an email to some of your employees or heck all of them. Hey, everyone, we're excited to have our employees search their networks to help us a great candidate to join our company as, for example, senior site engineer. Do you have someone in mind? If so, reach out to them. You could ask them questions like, what kind of work environment suits you? What are you looking for in regards to having your work passions and talents appreciated? What workplace values are important to you? How do you want to feel during your commute to and from work? If you see an alignment with our company culture, then share your own experiences with them. Share how you fuel your corporate, you fuel our corporate culture and how your work passions are nurtured every day here. This could get them excited to apply. Next, you could ask them on a scale of one to 10, how interested would you be in working with the company? How interested would you be in this open position? If you see a fit, provide them with the information to apply and ask them, ask them when and how they will apply. Help them vision out the steps to take in applying. Thanks for helping us grow our company and culture. So simple things like that can be done once you get to that point where your employees are advocates for you, as someone said previously in the uh, event here. Tom? I also wanted to quickly ask you about membership because there may be some people tuning in live today or listening to the podcast. Uh, and we, we do have a bit of a lineup uh, waiting for membership. So how is membership going? Membership is going. We're actually, I think next week, we're going to open up the path. The, the membership is going to go away, at least temporarily, because we're caught up with the proper onboarding for the people we have. So that'll open up and just be live for the Pathfinder IO Career Pathfinder membership. Still a little bit of a wait list for the expert membership. I think it's one to two weeks. And for our corporate memberships, we're businesses, uh, small business owners, uh, higher ups in organizations that have decision-making ability can get advice from an expert without having to engage in a full-blown consultancy. So there's membership for that. I think the wait for that is one week or two weeks as well. Tom, but, but if I'm one of those college students or someone who's just early in the career uh, and I want to get on the Pathfinder, we haven't forgotten about you. We're just making sure the experience is the best it can possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. And they're there. They've we're, we're almost we're, we're darn near caught up and everyone will be uh, able to get in next week and then it'll be open until we get scrunched again. 
All right. Uh, is Tuesday a free event or is it a, a pay event? Tuesday is a $10 ticket event. The any member of any member CBOC gets in free and there's a code in your in your membership portal to get that free ticket. Cheap at twice the price. Um, well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you, everybody, for contributing again. Uh, I think we're going to have to revisit this topic once again somewhere down the line. Uh, and with that, Jeremy, I think we should let people go and get on with their IO day. Uh, if you want to wrap us up and count us out. Wonderful, as always. Thank you so much, everyone. Counting out five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.